Welcome to the DDT Archives Indie Lounge. My name is Chris. With me as always is my partner in crime, Greg. How's everybody doing? How's it going? So with us tonight is someone we are so excited to have. Uh, This gentleman is the brains behind some of the best character work in the last five years of professional wrestling. And I, I truly believe that. Uh, this is Steve Wilson, the man behind Congo Kong. Thank you for being with us today. Man, thanks for having me. Thank you for that introduction. That makes me feel good. Well, you should. You know, like, like we were talking before we started recording, you know, I fell in love with that character the minute I saw it on TV. You know, but uh, before we talk about the Congo Kong character, let, let's go back to 1998 when you were breaking into the business as Osiris. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your experiences early on in your career? Man, um, well, the way I broke in, where I broke in, I was actually uh, home on break um, from playing college football, and I ran into a, well, went to a video game store, and they had a poster over there, up there of an, of an upcoming indie show. And at the bottom, it said, if, you want, if you're interested in becoming a pro wrestler, uh call this number so i called the number and this is way back before like the internet was big and like you know we if we wanted to do tape trading like we sent these giant vhs's in the mail um in hopes that you would get it back we probably didn't know um and so uh i ended up going and getting trained and well i started at one spot and uh got thrown into a match two sets after two sessions of training, didn't know what I was doing, about killed somebody uh, um, because uh, he called for a spear because Goldberg was a huge deal at that time. And so I, I me just getting done with form, or with uh, college football, I form tackled him and he didn't, it didn't go good for him. He was laying on the ground, rising in pain. I could tell if he was selling or he was legit hurt, but no, he was legit hurt. Um, but yeah, I made it through that one. Then we ended up uh, shifting and going to a, another smaller town around Grand Rapids, Michigan, called Holland, Michigan, um, and finishing our, our training there. We had our own company called Lakeshore Wrestling Organization, ran by Joe Ortega, um, who was trained by Jose Lothario. And we ran there for a good solid two years every other week. And then we trained like three or four times a week. And... Um, the biggest issue, I guess, back then without, you know, really having like the, the accessibility now that you have on the Internet is getting proper wrestling gear and boots. And then also having back then to deal with guys that really just didn't want to give you a chance. So it was easy to get discouraged and want to walk away because they looked at everybody as as uh, mutual wrestlers or backyarders or, you know, whatever you want to want to term it. That's, uh, you know, something we don't think about today because the Internet's so big. How did you go about getting gear then during that time? Either you uh, you you went from a company that sold actual wrestling singlets or something like that to or if you knew somebody that that sold and you had access to spandex. Um, a lot of the guys I know in the Ohio, Indiana area went to camps. They were only a reputable gear company, I would say, at that time. And um, 
uh yeah like other than that you know like i said without having the internet everything was word of mouth and then if you never got close enough to any of these guys that that knew where knh were you were kind of kind of screwed that's crazy that really is uh so as you break in you become osiris tell us a little bit about that character that was uh it was basically my version of vader i wanted one name sounded powerful uh but i wanted it to be afrocentric um you know i didn't want to go out and be the typical rapper criminal um savage that you know many many black guys were forced to portray you know back then and uh um and I stayed against that until, you know, I started to develop my version of Congo Kong. So with Congo Kong, how did that come to be? How did, how did you come up with the idea? I didn't come up with it. It was handed to me when I went to JCW. <sighs> <laughs> they were going through the run sheet uh for the show that night and they kept saying the con or the the tag match is going to happen and it's going to end when congo kong comes down to the ring and lays everybody out and like we're standing around and i'm looking around i'm like who is this congo kong like I know everybody here, and I pretty much know their gimmick. Who is this Congo Kong? <laughs> and then finally, uh, the guy looks at me, and he says, oh, by the way, that's your new name. You can use it anywhere. And I'm like, oh, mother. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, like, I'm just thinking to myself, that's exactly what I didn't want to do. I, like, I, I don't want to be a stereotypical savage gimmick like i i don't understand why these people are making me do this and then they're like oh you're getting paid such and such and i was like oh okay well i'll, I'll deal with it for now and we'll, we'll see if we can change it later um because at that time i never made that much money doing osiris so um it was kind of a, a thing i like you know and they they never they never made me do anything that I was completely uncomfortable with. You know, I was always a monster. They always presented me as the baddest thing on the planet. Um, and uh, so, you know, I really didn't have an issue with it uh, other than I just didn't want to be that type of character. Um, so it just kind of, it went out, it went from there. Like I, I had a, a previous version of it, I guess that I did called Shamari um, that I did for a smaller company in Michigan. The guy was like, I want you to do a cross between uh, Umaga and Kamala. And uh, he said, make it your own, but I want that type of character. I just don't have any, any use for Osiris right now. And so I, was like, okay, I guess I got to do something, you know, in order to keep this booking. So that's what I did. I came up with who I called Shamari at that time. So Shamari ended up uh, transforming into Congo Kong. So, you know, listening to you talk about that, and it's something that I never really thought about in depth with, uh, you know, something like Kamala being, you know, borderline a racist character 
if not definitely a racist character. And how, how do you go about avoiding stereotypes like that when portraying a character like Congo Kong? Um, hold on. I'm trying to get you guys back up. I don't know what I did. We can hear you. Ah! <laughs> okay. There we go. There we right. go. Uh, <laughs> God bless um, technology. All right. I'm sorry. You're fine. <laughs> can you repeat that question? So, okay, you know, freaking out. up until, um, you know, you just mentioned it, I didn't really put two and two together about how there were really strong racist undertones under characters like Kamala. You know, my brother was an independent wrestler and his favorite wrestler growing up was Kamala. He just mm -hmm. is larger than life. So like to us growing up in, in New York, where it's such a diverse city, you know, we don't, I, you know, I've never, you know, I've grown up with friends of all different races and backgrounds and never really looked at anybody as, Oh, you're this or you're this. It was just, you're, Steve, you know, you're right. Chris, you're, you're Greg. Um, right. But, uh, you know, how do you avoid stereotypes like that and making sure that people don't perceive it that way? Um, It's hard. It really is because you can't do anything about the way someone perceives something. You can only do what you can to present it, you know, the way you want to present it or whatever. And uh, racism has really always been a part of wrestling. Like you, I wouldn't say that that it's kept people from getting jobs as much as um, what they did with them while they were on the job. You know, because I've heard plenty of people say, "Oh no, I never had a problem with such and such. He made me money." So as long as we're making money, you know, regardless as to your color, then you're good. But there's always the oh well. He's this giant black guy. It only makes sense that he'd be a monster from the jungle. Excuse me, of Africa. So let's do something with that. Oh, and he can't be intelligent. And he can't, you know, can't speak English or, you know, it has to be something way off the wall, you know, like a Kamala, where he presented himself as, quite frankly, you know, no offense, Kamala, uh, big and dumb. And I didn't want to present myself as that. I, I love the idea that he didn't talk. I love the idea that he was dark and mysterious, but I also love the idea that the ultimate warrior was also a savage and people don't even don't, don't take that into account really. So it's kind of a cross between several characters um, that I loved. I just didn't talk and not talking uh, kind of made me, have to rely on body language a lot more and so that's how i chose to portray my character you know let the manager do the talking mm -hmm. and then um go off you know what he says and, and, and react and, and make make sure that my facial expressions and my, my body emoting is what it needs to be for the fans to understand what it is that i need them to understand i guess so Going to the, the the no talking aspect of it, you're a guy that obviously you've been talking for ten minutes. You got the gift of gab. How hard it, how hard was it for you to kind of just kind of like take a step back and 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 not be able to bring your own your own voice to a character like that? I wouldn't say it was hard because I'd rather try to make people feel it other ways than to 
try to talk. And, you know, the biggest knock on Bobby Lashley was he was a monster until they let him cut a promo. And then you heard his soft voice. And then you're like, what in the hell? Now, looking at him, standing next to him, you're still like, okay, there's no way I would ever even think about crossing this dude because he will throw me. And that's that's me as a 40-pound man. You know, no, I'm not messing with you, Bobby. Skip that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, um, I didn't want to have to rely on on talking up a good game for Kong to be in a storyline or be in a situation to where, um, you know, he, he, he could be cared about if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the Mike Tyson syndrome, right? It's like, like it's the, he's a, if you, if you just heard the voice without the, the visual, you know, what are you listening to? <laughs> but then he's yeah, like, but yeah. the dude's a killer. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> so you've had, you know, a real who's who's list of managers. You know, can mm-hmm. you tell us a truth martini story? Because I've heard some that are just fascinating. You know, truth and I, other than, um, doing our our jobs we never really did anything outside of wrestling together so i don't really have any stories that i can think of right now you know but truth is a great guy great great mind to pick um and the difference between him and a lot of managers these days is that he's actually been in the ring so he understands what it is that we do and what we're trying to trying to portray to the fans so uh, great mind to pick, great guy to be around. Great, he, has, he runs a great school. He's put out plenty of great talent from the Detroit area. Um, you know, and, and the, the times I have been around him and have been managed around uh, by him, you know, have been fun and I've always learned something. And that's got to be a huge um, piece of having a manager is being able to gain something from them beyond just the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, who has been your favorite manager that you've worked with? Yeah, you're not going to do that. To me. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I fair. apologize. <laughs> you're not going to do that, dude. Because uh, I, I have several that that I I hold in high regards. There's some that I was just like, okay, let's get this done and over with, you know. And I I would never. Um, even mention them, but you know, there's there's a good four or five at least that you know are in my my top five. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a lot of managers. How how is how important is it for you know for for one of your managers to understand your character coming where where your character is coming from to be able to present that and like the conversations that happen um, to get that that point across. Um. It's it's fairly important. Um, I, I I know I had one manager, Rodney Rush, who would always introduce me from the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa, and like we've had several conversations on why I didn't want to be pigeonholed to Africa, because um, quite frankly, the deepest, darkest jungle could be in your mind. So uh, if I'm trying to present myself at a, as as at a certain way, if somebody goes out and does something different or kind of takes their own liberties with it, then it kind of goes against, I guess, my flow. 
And so that was a conversation that we've had in the car, you know, many a times like, hey, stop, stop announcing me like that. You know, that's not what I'm going for. And, you know, nothing, nothing against him. Just he thought he was doing what was best for us. How did the Congo Kong character evolve in Impact Wrestling in your in your eyes? How did it, from when um, you viewed all the way through? <sighs> oh boy. Um not enough to be honest with you. Complete completely frank. Um I like the idea that they wanted me to be the guy who put the top guys over. Um, Cause that puts you, that puts you, you know, in a good spot, you know, but the way they went about it was uh, after I, I had beat of this, um, after I beat of this, uh, they fed me to moose and then uh, Johnny impact and then Brian cage, like all in a row without ever really giving me anything to build me back up. And so, like, I wouldn't even say that it, it it soured fans on me because they hadn't really seen me very much, you know, other than that program that they, they, they did an amazing job building up with Abyss, where I was deemed a new monster of impact. You know, it, it, it just kind of became, I was a guy there to put their, their, their stars over. Um, and... I don't know. I just I, I feel like it was just not done right, not handled right, um, you know. And I I I don't want to come off bitter or you know try to try to make it sound like you know Impact is, is a bad place to work for or anything because it wasn't. I I met some great people there and I had some great times and. Uh, of my time there, I just wish that they had spent more time working with me as a character, as opposed to you know what they did. Like once, once Jared left, I was kind of just you know there, um, and it didn't really turn into what I thought it could have turned into. You know, I, 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 I at some point, I think if they'd done it right, I would have had to be a guy that had the belt, you know, to put over champion, you know, not just a guy that was wrestling for the for his next title shot or whatever. You know, working my way up that the ladder or whatever, and then it just it just kind of soured from there. But I mean, I wish I wish things had happened, happened different. But I mean, it happened, and I'm glad that I even had that opportunity for them. Well, you, you talked about working with with Jeff Jarrett a little bit. Now you were with Global Force in 2015, correct? How how was that experience? Because I know from a fan's perspective, we were real excited when this new company was presented and it was traveling everywhere and it had such high expectations. You know, what was it like in the beginning stages there? It was great. We were excited. Uh, I was excited to be there. I was excited that, that you know, Jeff Jarrett, uh, long before I even met him, knew who I was, you know, so when I finally met him, he goes, oh, you're Kong Kong. And I'm like, huh, Jeff Jarrett, I'm <laughs> 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 um, But yeah, it was, 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 it was,
but no, like going out to Vegas. Uh, I'd never been to Vegas before that. Um, you know, just a tremendous experience. You know, seeing and going and then wrestling in front of that many people. You know, two times in a row. And, um, you know, wrestling the caliber of people that we were wrestling. Like, you know, a lot of that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, wouldn't have happened without Global Force. So. I'm grateful for that. I wish it, it had panned out into more and, you know, probably hoping it was still in business, but, you know, the way things worked out. Um, I ended up an impact, so. Who do you think uh, was your biggest rival in Global Force? Oh, Magnus, no doubt. I had to put him over three or four nights in a row. And then on the big show, um, and uh, yeah, I, mean, uh, I was Magnus's girlfriend. He's, I mean, we were actually talking before uh, you rejoined us, we were talking about uh, his character in the NWA, and you know we kind of feel like he's one of those guys that it's surprising that he hasn't signed with an AEW or WWE. Uh, there's probably good reason for that. Fair enough. Say no more. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, uh, who you the wrong way or you know uh he's he's got a lot of talent in the ring just out of the ring sometimes he just doesn't come across as you know the greatest human being on earth so i'll just leave it at that fair enough i i appreciate the the honest answer there um so how has your interactions been with children fans like they what are they they what is that like it's pretty it's pretty awesome actually whether i'm face or heel um anywhere you know i I usually have a good relationship with the kids like at first they're scared of me and then i'll you know just to ease their fear i'll you know put my fist up for a bump let them fist bump me and then after that Regardless, they're cheering for me. They want my autograph. They don't. They they might not understand why the adults are booing me, but they're all about it, you know. And and that to me is important because that's what I looked up to when I was a kid was those strange characters, you know, the Undertakers, and um, I I was a fan of Berserker and, and uh, uh, Damian Demento, and I was like, well, why are these guys not lasting long? What these guys are awesome because they don't look like my next door neighbor. That's that's. A big knock that I have on professional wrestling today is that it's so open to everybody and, and and you know, just about everybody that you work with uh looks like somebody that you see down the street from your house. Never thought of it that way. And you just blew my mind yeah, with that one. That was Greg, <laughs> you, you get the next question because I'm thinking. <laughs> well, like let's build off that because you know, I'm just I'm always, you know, in, in the guys we've talked to, you know, I'm always fascinated to hear their their views on, you know, the wrestling fan base today. And, you know, we try and be a little bit different and be like the positive voices and, you know, 
bring the fun back to wrestling. Do you, like how do you how frustrating is the fan ba- how how frustrating can the fan base be in this age of social media? Um very because a lot of times they know too much. Or not enough. And they have, <laughs> yeah, they have very strong opinions about everything and everybody. And if you don't look a certain way, if you don't act a certain way or do things to their likings, then they're they're probably, you know, it's gonna gonna trash trash you. Like one of the hardest things to do for me when I first got to impact was to uh uh and stay away from 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 the internet, based on the idea that you know I I, I got this character. They did this build up. I made my debut. It seemed pretty su- successful. You know what do people think? And then you go and you think, and the only thing they can do is body shame you. Um, you know, and they don't they don't know you know all the details. They don't know your story. They don't know what you've been through, where you come from. You know, they didn't they didn't know that I was four hundred thirty pounds at one point. And I was a solid 430 pounds. I actually looked a lot better than I do now. And then once I, I lost 100 pounds, you know, there's saggy skin. It just is what it is. But, you know, in doing that, all these quote-unquote, you know, straight males, you know, making comments about how I should look. And I'm like, well, how do you prefer your wrestlers to look? Like, you know, what is, what is it that you're trying to say? Like, to me... A bad guy wrestler shouldn't look like a babyface wrestler, or all wrestlers shouldn't look the same. You know, you when I grew up, when we grew up, we, we had wrestlers of all different sizes, you know, and, and shapes, and and it, it brought realism to the sport, not just two hundred fifty pound guys running around doing flips, dancing with each other. I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I really think today's day and age, people online would rip Andre the Giant. And that just doesn't make sense. You know, they, you know, like, like we told you, we like to stay positive about it because at the end, that's what we grew up loving. You know, I've been watching yeah. wrestling since I was three years old. My parents used to use it to keep me occupied. You know, I watched right. the NWA in the morning and then, you know, on Sunday noon, I'd watch all American wrestling. And, you know, that mm-hmm. was, that was just who I was. Um, and I wasn't allowed to watch it. That's why I had to go to his house. And 30, 35 some odd years later, here we are. <laughs> but, but, um, uh, but no, but that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, I, I don't like just for like, when you say the body type stuff like that, like I, like as a fan, like I never thought about that. Like, it's just tell me mm-hmm. a story, entertain me. Like, exactly. And it's like, and you know, be that larger than life person because, you know, as a guy that loves, you know, movies and comic books and things like that, these are like the living, breathing for me, it was like living, breathing superheroes right on my TV every Saturday morning. And it's like, but that could be anybody, you know, the flash was skinny, love the flash. I don't care. Like, but you know, it's just, I I don't understand. I never understood that mindset of, from a, from a fan's perspective. Like it just, it never made sense to me. Right. Just, yeah. Um, I think I don't know. People are so so obsessed with looks these days. You know, if I don't look like a a six foot five blonde Caucasian male, then you know I don't have anything to offer them, and that's just ridiculous. Because athletes come in all shapes and sizes. 
believe it or not, some of the best athletes on on a football field are the offensive linemen, defensive linemen. You know, it's not the guys running up and getting the catches and running downfield. It's the guys that have to prove that they're quick in other ways and stronger in other ways to do stuff and that are twice the size of the little guys that can run back and forth every way. Um, I can do most anything that a little guy can do. You know, it doesn't always make sense for me to do it, but I can do it. And I think uh, once people were starting to get excuse me, when to that and see what I could do, some of my abilities, their minds were starting to change. But um, for the most part, breaking down that wall, you know, and and, and uh, getting through to people that it doesn't matter what I look like, you know, it, I'm presenting the character, you know, I should have just as much uh, a chance to present that character just as, as anybody, you know, it shouldn't be a big deal regardless. Yeah. But that goes like, and it's so funny because it works both ways. Like you could like an, a person that's, a, that's your size, that's an at, but your, you know, athleticism, you know, comes through the TV and then you have a guy that's like chiseled from granite, but can't move their feet. You know, it's just, it, it works. It, it totally works both ways. So I, so like, like just going back to that, that body shaming issue. Yeah. It's just, it, it, like it, like you said, it comes in all shapes and sizes. I don't understand. Like I just like you just have like that vision in your head. Like uh, you you can't get away from it. It doesn't doesn't compute with me. Right, right, exactly. Like yeah, you, you prefer your wrestlers to have a six pack? Okay, I mean cool. That's, that's you, you know. But <laughs> wrestling should be all shapes and sizes. Yeah, just like the women's division. Oh. I. I really, it bothers me that there aren't any more heavyweight women than there are, you know, and I know some that wrestle that are very athletic and very good at what they do. But if you're not Barbie size and shape, then you're, yeah. you're not giving a fair shot. It sucks. It's an excellent point. You know, something that always stood out to me watching you in impact was the psychology you brought into the character and how you presented yourself is almost a sympathetic character just by your facial expressions, even behind the paint, you can see it. Can you talk about a little bit how you use that psychology to reach the fans? Um, yeah, I think of it as, you know, like, okay, you put on a mask, you don't have the opportunity to show the fans with your facial expressions, you know, what, what's going on. So they can't get with you, get behind you, go against you um, as well. Like if you have on a mask, you have to be like a great athlete, great wrestler in order to get over it. Um, to me, face paint it helps in that aspect, but without talking, I had to come up with ways to, to show my, my emotions you know, um, just by by my face, and then having the face covered as well, I had to be extra, extra <laughs> with uh, you know my facial expressions, and just you know emoting what it was that I was feeling or going through, or you know whatever, without having the words to say it. How did you come up with the concepts for your paint? Um. Well, it started off with my tattoo on my arm, which I developed off of a 
uh, NCAA football game where they had a creative team uh, logo, and I took that logo and kind of ran with it and came up with my own version of it and ended up getting a tattoo. And so then when I had to do the painted face gimmick, that's what they went off um, when they were painting my face. And then it kind of evolved from there. Um you know, into the different designs or whatever that I, I've used over the years. And then when I got to Impact, they had makeup artists there. And the lady that would always work with me was incredible. You know, she's she's like, well, what if we try this, this, and this? And I was like, uh, all right, you're the professional. I trust you. And so I would just lay there and start nodding, nodding. And she would paint my face. And 30 minutes later, you know, there we are. And like, I'm just looking like, wow, it's incredible. I would never be able to do this by myself. <laughs> How much does it cost to take you with me? <laughs> Too much, yes. Yeah, it was it, definitely an awesome part of your character was the different looks that you came out with week after week. Yeah, um, which, is, which is ironic because they actually told me that they wanted me to stick with one pattern i guess after a while they're like well what if we brand you then we're not gonna have anything to go off of and i was like i guess that makes sense but are you planning on branding me you know and <laughs> in hindsight i should have just kept with what i was doing kept with what i was doing but you know whatever it is what it is so you know we you mentioned early on in, in your story about jcw and you know, as we were talking off off record, that Juggalo subculture is just very different. Can you tell us your experiences working there and and your interactions with the fans there? Um, for the first years, they're heavy into throwing stuff. So I've been hit with batteries and drinks, and uh, I've seen people hit with shoes and. You name it, they were throwing it, and um, it was pretty rough, to say the least, you know, to go out there and, and uh, have to deal with that sort of atmosphere from these people, you know, and then, like, if you fought outside at all, they, you'd have certain ones that want to put your hand, put their hands on you and stuff, and then you'd have to cock them, you know what I'm saying, in, in the face or whatever, and... <laughs> about your business and you know keep wrestling your match or whatever but uh i guess once you got outside those uh those fans you know there were some pretty cool ones you know like you go to the gathering and like you said you see some of everything you run into some of everything um you know outside the wrestling ring but once they knew who you were they they had a respect for you and um uh, they were cool people, you know, are cool people, you know, I, even going last year, it was, uh, it was fun driving around on the golf carts and be, being like, Hey, that's, that's calm, whatever. Like, um, it's definitely an experience. It's something that I say most people, you know, should, should go and look at. It's like going to the zoo. You, you should go at least one, one time and see, <laughs> you see everything that they have on display. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. And what was it like working for ICP? How were they? So cool, so cool. Both both 
Joe and Joey, um, easy going, you know, I always would hear horror stories about them and, and how they would fire people left and right for no reason. And I've never had that experience. I've never had them say anything sideways to me or uh, disagree with anything that I did. Um, just overall, just two good dudes um, who cares, who love wrestling, you know, and they, they love their fans. They love their people. And they figured out a way to 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 open up a different av- avenue of entertainment besides the mu- music industry. They definitely like back in in their WWE time with the oddities. You know, it stood out, and they're larger than life characters themselves. So, you know, they mm-hmm. they had to really enjoy you in the ring because you were larger than life there too. Yeah. Like, and you think back to like, that's 20 some odd years ago. They've been around <laughs> in, in the wrestling business for a long time. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think we're just, maybe we're yeah, just I, was getting... in, I was in high school when they, yeah, right? when they were doing the WCW stuff. Yeah. Oh man. We're just getting old, I guess. Jeez. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, me too, man. We're in your age bracket. <laughs> <laughs> that is a collective. <laughs> That 40 is creeping up on me real quick. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. I got I got three gray hairs in my beard. and uh, I, I was video chatting with my mom, and I said, Ma, you see this? This is your fault. <laughs> I, started, I started going gray when I was – I'm 38. I started going gray when I was 20. And I got like oh. – if my hair's not wet, I just – you can ask Chris. And then like I remember when I got married, my wife, I asked my wife, I was like, you know, should I, should I dye my hair for the wedding? And I met her, I was 26 and she's like, no, that she's like, I don't even know you with dark hair. She's like, that would be so weird. She's like, you look ridiculous. (laughs) So, I mean, and then all my buddies, like these guys would make fun of me. It's like, oh, look at your gray hair. And now it's like, well, at least it's there. I'm like, oh, you guys. I appreciate that one. Yeah, you're welcome. Like, oh, you like, you wish. He and my wife had a, a real good time at my expense the other day. I got bored in this whole quarantine <laughs> thing, and I gave myself a mohawk. Except I have the hey. giant bald spot in the middle of it, so it's really <laughs> front and the back. Yeah. <laughs> so from the front, it looks okay, and if I have a hat on, it looks good. But if you walk around, it's not so good. Um, right. They've been having yeah, fun. Yeah, I got, I got this thing going on up here myself. So people are like, "Oh my God, you're going bald!" Well, I've been going bald for about ten years. You know, thanks, mom. Because <laughs> it comes from her being cool, so <laughs> I knew what to expect. But it's whatever. Yeah. At least, the, at least the front part is still there, and I, you know, I can do a. Not a comb over, but a comb up. <laughs> and most people won't be able to see it unless I bend over for them. Yeah, well, well I'm a little bit shorter than you, yeah. and by a little, I mean a lot, so I can't pull that off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I kind of want to end where, you know, where you started with, with your college football. Um, I was a college football coach for the last two years. I've done it for three years overall and coached high school for another 17 how did your experience in football help prepare you to become a professional wrestler? Um, that's a good question because uh, other than helping with the agility 
and uh you know footwork and coordination stuff like that the uh the athletic side of it i guess there really isn't much of a, a, a crossover for me um i've i've always hated lifting weights <laughs> even to this day when i go to the gym i'm just there on the on the elliptical because yeah, I'd rather do that than lift weights. I'm already strong. I'm strong enough to pick up a three or four hundred pound guy, no problem. So I don't really need to be much stronger than that. I mean, yeah, looks are cool, but like you said, I know guys that are chiseled from stone that can't do half the stuff that I do. So, you know, that's that to me is the different thing that I offer. So um I guess that team concept, you know, because even though you're an individual in wrestling, you're still part of a team. It's it's still part of the entire show or company or whatever that you're working for that you have to go out there and not be selfish. And you, you go do your thing within your parameters to to make it a part of the, the bigger show, you know. And so I guess that in that aspect, you know, you learn um, – selflessness yeah i guess you know because even being an offensive or defensive lineman we never got any credit for the stuff that we did um but without us you know what running back what quarterback what receiver excuse me can have all those accolades i couldn't agree more you know i i was a linebacker coach the last two years and when my guys played the best was when the d-line had a good day you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, while I'll always say my position group was the best on the field, just because I, you know, it makes me feel good that I coached them up. The reality right. is those guys up front dictate the pace of every game and it, it is mm-hmm. forgotten big time. Um, so the other part of football is obviously that coaching aspect and you're doing that as a trainer now and you have your own school. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, about a year ago. Uh, my very first start to finish student, Mark Vandy and I um, decided to, to go into business and uh, get a ring. And we found a building uh, in his hometown, which is about 30 minutes south of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, and we have been training kids. I uh, have four newbies that I've been working with uh, for the greater part I'd say of that year. Um, nobody's really ready to go yet. I'm still waiting on that one student to come in and kind of light a fire under everybody's butt. Um, you know, the one that just comes in and gets it right away. And then people are like, Oh my God. Okay. Well, we got to step up our game. You know, they're having fun. Long as they're having fun. What can I say? We'll, we'll hang out. They can go to shows with me and, you know, learn on the fly, whatever, however we got to do it. Um, but yeah, overall, it's been a, a good experience, and you know, I'm always looking for more kids. Well, I guess once the the quarantine situation, and you know, we can go back to a semblance of normal life. I guess afterwards, um, I'll be looking for more students or whatever. Um, just yeah, you know, I I, uh, I guess as a trainer, I look to not only teach wrestling but you know i want to instill confidence and i want to i want to make people better 
you know, better human beings. That's 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 my goal. Not just a good wrestler, but you know, somebody that, that you know when they when they see this guy, they know, hey, that's one of Kong's trainees. He's probably a good person, probably a good dude. And um, it's ironic because I just released a video yesterday of kind of giving a, a behind the scenes uh, view of me, I guess, um, for this group that I'm, I'm uh, working with called Bet On Yourself Associates. And um, one of my earlier students messaged me and he says, man, I'm, I watched a video and I'm holding back tears because you've helped me so much. And I, he's like, I, I just can't thank you enough. He said, because of you, you know, I had the, the confidence to go back to school and get a degree. And I'm getting ready to start this new job and I'm getting ready to do this. And like he starts naming this, this this long list of stuff that he's doing and that he gives me credit for helping him have the confidence and the, the, the strength to, to know that he can do it. And. I'm like, okay, you got to stop because now you're going to get me rolling. <laughs> you get my tears going. And I, I, I'm struggling because I'm stuck in the house and you know, I cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, awesome. Uh, That's great. Yeah, it, it's it's a, it's an awesome thing to know and to 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 feel like you know this is uh this is panning out like I want it to. You know, um, I've always said that to me professional wrestling is a form of ministry um because it it is or it should be all about good versus evil you know with good eventually overcoming the evil and you know it, it's not about doctrine or anything like that but it is the idea that you can go out there and you can put on a good show put on a good match and tell these fans a story you know you never know how you might impact somebody's life and how you might touch them how you could be saving their life and not even really know it, not really understand it. You know, they could be going through whatever, divorce, suicidal thoughts, uh, depression, any number of issues. And because of what we do, we go out there, and we we put, you know, our our own egos aside. and We go and we do what's the ask of us or, you know, portray this this weird character that we would never even think of portraying otherwise. Um you know, how we might affect these people. I can't think of a more right. apropos way to end. Is that we, we I ain't mean, topping that? No, there is no <laughs> way. Um, so with that, you know, why don't you plug your social media, anything else you want to get out to the fans? Okay. Uh, yeah, you can hit me up, uh, uh, on my Facebook at Steve Wilson, uh, or under the Congo Kong name. If you type in Congo Kong, Steve Wilson come up. Um, on Instagram, I believe it's Kong Osiris, one word, 7878 maybe, <laughs> or maybe it was 178. I don't know. Type in Congo Kong and it should come up. Uh, Twitter is at real Congo Kong. You know, whatever you feel like hitting me up, just don't be a weirdo in my inbox. Um Cause that happens and it's weird and it's awkward. And I never want to be the guy who's like, okay, you need to leave me alone. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Um, yeah, you know, contact me if you got any questions about wrestling or, you know, you have dreams and aspirations of being a wrestler and you, you maybe 
even if you're not in my area, maybe I can direct you to a school near you or a reputable trainer or something like that. Or if you have gear needs, I happen to know a guy. Hi. I also make wrestling gear. Um, and it's it's business is booming right now. Thank God. Uh, you know, being shut down. So, yeah, when I get off here, I have to get to work um, making more gear. Um but yeah, hit me up for that if you need to. If you need examples, I got plenty of those. I can send you and show you some of the stuff that I, I've done, you know, and, and I'd, I'd be happy to, to help you out the best I can. Um, so yeah, like any of that, you know, any gear questions or, or wrestling questions or anything, feel free. I try to be open with people. I feel like uh, if I'm accessible in some way, it shouldn't be able to hurt. You know, or it shouldn't hurt me at all. You know what I mean? I I just always try to watch my P's and Q's with people because you got weirdos out there to take your words and twist them and all that stuff. But uh, for the most part, most people are good. Well, that's what we're trying to do over here. And we cannot thank you enough for taking the time out uh, tonight and talking to us. And, uh, you know, I just – I. Like I said, like I just love, I love people. I love stories. And, you know, this is, you know, it was an absolute uh, pleasure to have you on. So uh, thank you. Thank you again, sir. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, it was absolutely our pleasure. And as always, you can follow us at DDT archives. You can follow me at Chris underscore DDT HSLB. Look at that. Got it right. Two in a row now. Oh man. You're really (laughs) struggling with that, man. It's like the yeah, running. It's, it's, bec- it's become our running gag that I have to. We have to bust on him for like getting his Twitter handle right. I love it. It's like my yeah. favorite. I've only had it for three weeks though. Let's be honest. I got rid of. I had to get rid of my original wrestling Twitter handle because I was coaching college football. And let's be honest, you don't want those two mixing. No, you're right. So, no, that's true. You know, like. Yeah, that there is a legitimate reason behind it, but it's still yeah. I should know and my own. All I'm hand. saying is that I appreciate that it's become a running joke. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you so much, Steve Wilson, the man behind Congo Kong. We cannot thank you enough, and this has been awesome. Definitely been my favorite so far that we've done. You know. We look forward to continuing to bring everybody as much entertainment as we can during this tough time and even beyond. So thank you everyone for listening. We'll, uh, we'll see you soon.